0: Hello, I'm Jack Chuser, and welcome to episode three of the Storm Static Sleep podcast, which features interviews and music from across the entire landscape of post-rock. All of these interviews here were uh, conducted as part of the research phase for my book, Storm Static Sleep, A Pathway Through Post-Rock, which is the first book to be dedicated to this story of post-rock music and features over 30 first-hand interviews conducted by myself with some of the most prominent figures in post-rock history. So you've got interviews with members of Mogwai, Tortoise, Slint, Constellation Records, Mono, This Will Destroy You, and loads more as well. So if that sounds like something that's going to interest you, go to stormstaticsleep.com to buy the book and learn more about it. So this time we're going to focus on an interview with John Mueller from Wisconsin. Now during the late 90s and early 2000s, John was probably best known as the drummer for Pele. Uh, a band which is often rounded up in any discussion about the instrumental post-rock scene over in the USA. Although over the past few years, he's been engaged in all sorts of multidisciplinary, multisensory projects, including Death Blues, which Mueller describes as, and I quote, addressing the inevitability of death as impetus to become more present in each moment. So I conducted this interview with John in January of last year at a time when Pele was starting to play reunion shows again. So in amongst all this reflection on Pele in the 90s and the musical environment they inhabited and all the experimentation which was starting to bubble up through the rock scene at that time, um, we also talked about what Pele looks like in 2015 now that all three core members of Pele have changed and developed so drastically uh, during their time away from the group. so. Before I get into the interview, I'm going to start with a piece of music from Mueller's Death Blues project. This is uh, one called Entrainment, and it's taken from the Death Blues album Ensemble, released in 2014. Um, Just before I play this as well, I really encourage you to head over to the Rhythmplex Bandcamp. So that's rhythm and then P-L-E-X, all one word. Um, This rounds up so many of uh, Mueller's recent works, um, my personal favorite being a magnetic center which was released last year which is comprised of uh, drums and these looped wordless vocals such an unbelievable record but anyway here's entrainment and then we'll head straight into the interview after that
1: I think the uh, uh, one of the turning points I mean my whole life has been a series of reevaluations you know I've been involved in music uh well I've been interested in music since uh, I at least uh since the age of 3 um maybe earlier I don't know but um I definitely know I can recall specific records I was listening to at the age of 3 but um but but when I once I got involved in it um you know actually playing instruments um, a number of different times were sort of revelatory but I, I would say once I got sort of established there was a point where I really thought that for drums what I was doing was basically being a part of a competition where you get to this point where it's just and this is all self-driven, but you start to feel like you you you're in this competition with with not only other people but yourself. You're just trying to get better and better and better. And I, I felt like that was sort of a dead end at some point because you know there's always going to be somebody "quote unquote" better, right? So I I really started to wonder, well, what is what is my identity? Um, you know, how how what is how can I make what i'm doing more sort of my thing and not um you know not not operate on the scale of you know uh technique or or you know how well you play or something but how, how do you really make something sort of recognizably yours and um thought really hard about that and long about that and and couldn't really find any answer and then you know, kind of tying this into the the post rock conversation. When when Pale was a group, one of the interesting things I always found was when you would go, you you get to the club, you'd set up your your gear, um, and then you'd be hanging out, you know, waiting. There'd be other bands sound checking, and one of the things that always really annoyed people is when there would be a drum set set up off the stage, and the drummer would forget to turn the snare drum off, so the snares would be on. And then you would hear this, you know, somebody would be tuning a guitar or something, and you'd hear the drum off the stage vibrating. You know, you'd hear those snares rattling, and people would get really annoyed by that. And I always thought that was kind of really peculiar because, you know, in within a matter of minutes, you know, that band would be playing at, at full volume, and it would be deafening. and it, 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 So the, it, it wasn't a volume or a sound issue. It was just like there was something bothersome about that sound for people because maybe it wasn't theirs or um, they weren't controlling it or I I don't know what but it I always thought that was interesting how everybody would get upset by that you know the sound guy would go running over to the drum and turn it off or somebody from the other band would go and turn it off and it was always this kind of annoyed response um, like why didn't you turn those drums off you know so I thought maybe there's something to that you know maybe there's something about that sound that's that can be sort of worked with um, and so I began working with uh, vibrating snare drums and finding different ways to vibrate drums and sort of um, take that and, and do something where you could control it do something where you were actually making that sound happen as, as opposed to um, having it just happen randomly and, and needing to be stopped but to have that be an instrument in and of itself and so I worked on that kind of stuff for a number of years and um you know, the idea at the time was that it would be sort of, you know, that would be kind of my thing, and it might be something I could be known for instead of just um, this this endless competition of of being a better, you know, drum kit player, um, but to, to look at the drums in a different way, do something different with them, um, and also sort of do something more on the philosophical level, because you're dealing with a sound that people find annoying, and you're you're trying to reshape it and present it in a way that's interesting, which was another Challenge to do, so that that was a turning point for sure, and how I was looking at, um, you know, how to look at things differently.
0: And with that, going back to that that fizzing snare drum you're talking about on the side <laughs> of the stage, I mean, um, I guess that raises some interesting queries too on kind of uh, uh, how a band takes ownership of um, what they're presenting to the 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 audience. Um, and I, I, I wondered, did experiences like that? I mean, did they? Perhaps um, have any impact on the way that you perceive maybe you know chance happenings during live performances and and kind of just letting things occur maybe outside of of maybe what you would what anticipate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, back going back to the Pele days, I was also improvising a lot um, outside of that group with with different people. You know, people both people that I knew and people that I had never met before. Um, you know, just showing up at a, at at a place and playing with somebody new, but um, you know, so I, I sort of was hungry for a chance. I was I was sort of seeking out these situations where unexpected things could happen because, again, that also could teach you new things. What I what I did end up finding though is that the it was also sort of a potential for a lot of horrific experiences too, and um, I think that whole experience eventually became, um, you know, the the sort of lack of control on some level became difficult to deal with. And, um, not, not in terms of controlling the sound or or what other people were doing, but, um, not, not being free to sort of interact in a, in a uh, creative way, but to be sort of trapped within your own devices, um, so that became a challenge maybe that's a different a different path than what your question is but uh i i think i think definitely there was you know the 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 probably the not the early days of pele but the sort of mid-period on was was really really about um sort of seeking out these chance things that could happen and um being excited about that and, and and sort of then using those things to mess with with each other to sort of not only mess with the music but also sort of poke at at the other players involved, and we'd all get a sense of of you know what those things were and even though we kind of knew that they were possible and we kind of knew what each person you know what what each each of our buttons were, so to speak, um, every time they would get pushed you just you never knew when it was going to happen, and you would have to be on the ball and react to it as is, is quickly as possible that was always fun
0: <laughs> and do you think um any part of uh, there's almost a sense if you're like a um percussionist then maybe you're kind of almost a bit more ready for this kind of thing because people have this acceptance of um, percussion uh, involving you know all sorts of sounds and, and people are quite ready to accept that as as maybe as, as listeners and also players, the fact that, you, you know, you can utilize a, a quite a vast array of noises. I mean, do you think being a percussionist has um, any way allowed you to be con- kind of more ready to accept kind of chance circumstance?
1: Absolutely. And um, actually, that is that's why I ended up pursuing that instrument, because I used to study guitar and piano when I was really young. And... Eventually quit because I had a teacher that was that was very 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 focused on technique and and quote unquote doing it right and um, it really turned me off to the whole thing and I, I I think a big part of it was the the notation involved you know the the melody uh, the sense of melody um, the, the 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 melodic sense the 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 idea of notes and scales and there's there's a lot of um, properness to those things that if if you don't sort of play by those rules, it's, I mean, it would be chaotic at best, but it'll be sort of uh, aggravating, um, really, uh, potentially. So um, so I got out of it, and, and I feel like when I discovered the drums, it was like all those things were off the table, and now you could just sort of hit freely. And even though you didn't really know what you were doing, it didn't sound as horrible um as say if you just picked up a guitar and started you know banging away at the strings or something you know so i that was a you know it's a long way to to answer this but i i feel like there's absolutely more freedom in percussion and and drumming um i'd say not drumming, but in percussion there's definitely way more freedom there than there is in uh, an instrument with you know that's uh operates on the on a melodic or notated scale.
0: And in fact, I mean, because you've you've recently started um, doing shows with Pele again, haven't you? Well, a couple of shows. You did one on, was it New Year's Eve?
1: We did one on New Year's Eve, and we have another one booked now for spring.
0: And going back into this material, um, given the the, the ideas and the themes that you're exploring now in your kind of current practice, um, what's that been like to revisit that material?
1: well in a in 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 a very general way it's been really crazy um, <laughs> you know there's there's all sorts of issues involved you know I mean at, at first, as excited as we were to to sort of think about this stuff again, it was also really daunting because you know we're all older um I for one haven't played in this style for for quite some time you know, might my, my drumming style really changed after I left that group and so have I've got years of sort of working these other directions that you know didn't you know weren't about the sort of intense craziness of of how the drumming was in that group so it it was a you know it, it definitely was uh took some practice for me um to get some of that back and that was that was exciting to me at this time i think prior to this you know, we we had we had been asked in the past years to to redo this band as well and i i was never interested in it because it just at the times uh I didn't care. I mean, it didn't seem like there was a reason to do it. And now I I feel like I've been removed from it enough that the thought of actually learning to play in this style again seems interesting or challenging to me. So, um, you know, it was, it was like that made it worth, worth thinking about and then doing as opposed to just thinking, well, why would I ever do something like that? I mean, it was actually exciting to think about trying to figure out how to pull this off again.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and and as well as it, um, I mean, you're thinking about it in a completely different way now as well. I mean, when you sit back behind the drum kit and you're w- with those guys and playing these songs again, is there a sense of um, revisiting, or, or you know, becoming how you were, or, or, or is it like, um, do you perceive this material in an entirely fresh way?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a little of both. Um, like, I'd say it's 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 part. It's it's a small part, sort of revisiting the past and. And kind of nodding to, like, realizing that these songs are, you know, the history behind them and, and just the, all the memories that come with it and everything. But there's there's this other part of me now, which I, I feel, again, is only possible now. I don't know how strongly this would have happened before, but there's a sense now to sort of prove prove something to myself that not only can can I do this, but... That I should be able to do it even better than I did it then, and so that's that's been kind of exciting too. And I, I think I think the other guys feel that feel that as well. I mean, it's like let's not just if we're going to do this again, let's not just do it again. Let's let's see if we can improve on it somehow. Let's see if we can make it even more crazy and more more energetic and and more more rock and roll even. You know, like more. Can we make it harder and more intense than than it was even back then? Because we should be able to, right? I mean, look how long we've been playing now. Look how we should be better at what we're doing than, than we were then even. I, I definitely feel that way. Um, so I, that's, that's a, a big part of it too, and that's really exciting.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess as well that depends on a lot of how you perceive... Uh, the material I mean, I know some bands who um you know will come back say after a decade, two decades, and then um almost view- view their material with with sort of like it's uh it's this fixed thing you know it's like a almost like they're putting up an old photograph again rather than um having a template that they can um sort of rehash for the present tense you know so um yeah. do, do do all of the band members kind of share this perspective of these songs as Sort of like almost a template that you know you can kind of make a twenty fifteen version of so. well i i don't
1: want to I don't want to mislead or or describe this in too fantastic of a way but i i you know we're definitely retaining the songs as they were, but i I do feel like just in terms of of i think focus um yeah, this the, this is a this is a big topic actually, Jack. I mean, I, I feel like <laughs> in some ways, when I li- when I listen back on some of the the early recordings, particularly the live stuff, I mean, it's almost like they were these just sort of like, oh man, it's hard to even explain. I mean, they they they're almost just these kind of insane rituals. Whereas now, I, I feel like we have a lot more focus and maybe can make some of these parts a lot tighter and and uh, again more effective than than what they were in the past and and so i definitely get a sense from from the other guys that that there's an interest in that in sort of focusing on this music and making it stronger not not so much making it changing it or making it something else or making it you know sort of a a new uh, you know a new a new version of of what these songs were but it's it's more just making refining them and making them um Better versions of what they were back then, mm-hmm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, um, so is we that not
1: change it. We we don't want to change it. It's not like we're sort of taking them, like you said, as templates and sort of blowing them up and and making new things out of them. Which which would make sense uh in some ways, but I I don't think we're doing that. I think we're at least right now. I mean, who knows what the future will bring? I mean, I don't know how how much we're actually going to play this stuff, but I think. If we stuck at it, we would definitely move in that direction where we'd want to start messing with stuff in a bigger way, just because we would get bored easily. But at this point, we just want to do this stuff really well, but we don't want to have it be like what you said, where you're just sort of representing this old old painting or something where it's like, "Hey, remember this, look at this again you know we don't we don't want to do that; we want it to be something that people walk away from. Yeah, because, you know, some of the people that come to these shows, they might not have been around back in the day. You know, there are people who, who I know personally, even uh, younger people who never got to see the band because they were like eight or something when we were playing. And um, they're excited that we're doing it again. That That's mind boggling in and of itself. But it's also like, well, all right, for those kinds of people... Um, or people that maybe never even heard of the band before, let's just make it something really good. Let's not make it something where, oh, you don't get it because you weren't, you know, this is, you don't understand that they, they've changed these songs now back when they were before. You know, I mean, I don't want to get into that whole complicated thing. We just want to play the songs really,
0: really well. And I know, I mean, is there, um, I mean, if this is all kind of dissecting it beyond um what's kind of practical or even, you know, what you'd do normally than just say. But, I mean, I wonder if there's ideas that perhaps you um, were exploring through Pele, which um, in the meantime you've kind of now can look back and kind of understand what you were you were trying to do. I mean, are there, are there things that have come to light when you're playing this material? You're like, oh, I kind of see what I was what I was getting at back then. I, I don't know if that question makes sense.
1: It does sort of... I. I feel like, well, I—I I mean, this is maybe a very general answer, but I—I, you know, coming from, coming from sort of a punk rock background and and all all the sort of like antagonistic music that I of my youth, uh, I, I feel like a big part of a lot of what I've done is just to sort of mess with things and. You know, maybe maybe Pele, you know, had a lot of of soft presentation to it, or um, you know, was it was easily digestible in some ways. It was, you know, palatable um, for a wider you know range of people. But but it also you know that's sort of a mask in some ways too. And it's fun to sort of present things like that that sort of bring people in. But then once you have them in the room, you know, find ways that you can sort of show that you're 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 actually messing with something in some way um and i i don't have any specifics but i always felt like that was an element to it um you know some of the stuff that we did live for instance um i think you know a lot of people didn't understand i mean there you know (laughs) there was some stuff There, there was definitely some some theater Uh, Elements to some of the stuff that we did, you know, just the sudden appearance of balloons and playing balloons as an instrument, or smashing radios on stage, or I mean, there's all sorts of kind of not major portions of the shows, but they would be sort of just kind of thrown into the mix. So we always were sort of looking for ways to kind of bring people in, you know, if if we were a post rock band, which we never really you know we never really called ourselves i mean we weren't interested in in defining it but um you know if if that's what people were into in the 90s and and were looking for a group like that and and heard of us and came to it then it was an opportunity to say okay well now how can we fuck with that notion you know how can we how can we mess with that so if post rock is about sort of taking what what rock was and, and taking it to a new place, how can we then in turn get rid of that and take that to a new
0: place, you know? And did you, were you able to get any sense of how receptive people were to to you doing that?
1: I don't, I don't know. I mean, back when it was happening, I think as, as all sort of trends go, uh, I mean, I don't think it, you know, it wasn't, I mean, certainly we had people that liked us, but I mean, there's certainly a lot of people that didn't care, um, so it was you know it's just like anything I mean at the time it's just kind of um when you're when you're sort of in the midst of something you don't you, it's hard to gauge sometimes what the you know what's really happening with it and and sometimes it takes looking back like now to sort of analyze you know what what did that mean and what did we do and and I think just the fact that we've been asked to play again and there's, there's actually people turning up for these things, it, it must have meant something, or at least people think it did, which is okay. <laughs>
0: was Egg by Pele which appeared on their album Elephant released on sign language back in 1999 and then again by Polyvinyl in 2003. So I'm going to go ahead and play the next part of the interview now which starts out with a really interesting discussion with John about the term post-rock and its liberal application let's say but also we talk about the consequences and to some extent dilemmas of a band seeking an oppositional stance to the rock status quo which is obviously a principle that underpins so many bands from that early post rock period. I mean you mentioned there that you um never kind of connected with that you know the term post rock which um I'm kind of surprised now if I hear people say anything otherwise because it you know doesn't seem like that anyone did. um it just seemed too generic and and, and ambiguous really and, and not really applied by any artists to um really feel for, for for anyone to feel any affiliation with it is the impression that I get but um i mean when did you out of interest when did you become aware of of people placing this term upon your music it sort of happened
1: right away with pele because of the time you know anything that that any music that happened that didn't that was instrumental that maybe had some some jazz elements to it instantly just became known as post rock because that was the the term that was getting used for everything now certainly there was there was a, a you know bands that were sort of applying these these things to the mix and so on one hand the irony is that you have you know this community of people who are looking to sort of do something different with music, um, but, but also sort of applying a bunch of, of new, uh, characteristics and, and rules to, to how they're doing it. And, you know, in hindsight, it's, it's easier to see that, but at the time it just felt like, you know, this is a direction to go now because it's not, you know, the typical, you know, coming out of this, you know, some of the, 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 um, the indie rock stuff that was happening with vocals and everything. It was, it was a way to do something a little different. Um, uh, and, and everybody kind of took their own approach to that. You know, you had, you had, uh, Don Caballero at the time. You had, um, Tortoise who were, you know, very different types of groups, uh, in, in terms of their sound, but yet they were all just sort of approaching this instrumental rock music in a different way. Um, I, I've completely lost track of your question.
0: <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> that's all right. Um, uh, no, I—that's I, I, that, definitely the impression I'm getting speaking to people—is um, that it was kind of intended to label people doing something different rather than something in particular.
1: Right. So, okay. So what I was, yeah, what I was going to say, or what I wanted to say, was you've got all these people doing this stuff, but you know they're doing it to sort of escape this this other you know definition of of what music is you know what bands are at that time like everybody in this sort of age group that was starting a bands that weren't doing it the typical way that were doing it this different way they were you know part of the impetus for doing that was to to not sort of follow the herd but yet all of a sudden you know i don't know who starts these things but the a new herd eventually is revealed because now you have this group of people who are all sort of quote unquote doing it differently but yet they're all sort of in, in, in their own collective you know and it's like a it's like a, uh i can't remember the name there there oh man i there's like there's this old 70s horror movie where these people are trying to escape this house and they, they finally escape the house and they take off in the car and they drive away and they're driving and driving and all of a sudden they realize they're pulling right up to the house again <laughs> and, and they, it just keeps happening they keep driving away and taking different roads but they, they just keep ending up at the house so it's kind of like that where you know you're, you're trying to you're trying to break you're trying to break away from these systems these existing systems but oftentimes um, it it ends up you're just you're just becoming part of another community. Um, for for better or worse, I guess.
0: Yeah, I I mean, to what extent do you think that kind of stems from how people articulate music? Because I know that people, um, you know, you have terms for things, say, like rock music or dance music, and and then as, as soon as people pull away, I mean, do you think there's any sense that people get pulled together for doing something different regardless of, of what they're trying to do. Like that, that there's um, sort of this public perception of like a miscellaneous, which you kind of get thrown into if you try to break away, even if you're both kind of pulling away in, in different directions.
1: Yeah, I, I think it depends how much you want to borrow from what else is going on at the time. You know, I think all the stuff that sort of became collected into post-rock were, you know, they they were sort of sharing elements. So like I gave the examples of Tortoise and Don Caballero before, two obviously different approaches, but both rock bands without singers. So it's sort of, you know, you could say one unwritten rule was can't have a singer, can't have vocals in this (laughs) movie. Um, Vocals are are for, you know, vocals are for the mainstream or vocals are for, you know, everyone else, but we're doing something different, so you can't have vocals. Um, And then it became, you know, maybe certain things with guitar styles. And so I would say in terms of Pele, you know, Chris had his influences. Um, if, as far as drums go, I had my, my influences. And it just it, it sort of became like a self-regulatory thing. Like how much did you want to borrow from what other people within that scene are doing? Um, how, how much do you balance that with other stuff? Um, because at, at some level, I, I feel like the, the benefits of being part of a community are that you then have an audience because people have some reference points for who you are and what you're doing because you you get discussed in those conversations. Whereas if if say you just came out with like, you know, let's say instead of having no singer, you had a, you know, a, a woman who sang in an in operatic style and, and your guitar sounded like, you know, Melvin's, uh like King Buzzo, and say, the drummer was, you know, just played little bells or something, you know, it's like if you did something like that, you know, certainly that would be a, a, a way to, you know, kind of give the finger to the indie rock scene, but it also would leave you completely isolated. And, um, you, you might not even be able to, you know, your friends might not even come to the shows because they just didn't <laughs> understand it. So, you know, there's a risk in, in how far you want to push things, you know?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so some sense of, of like, drawing from aspects of of your community of of other musicians um is is natural it's just you know it's it's a dangerous game because the more you sort of, of are are influenced by people the more you become like them and then and then you're not you then you're just sort of you know a rip-off band i guess you know
0: as you say i think this is essentially what you're saying anyway but that word of mouth aspect or even like through music criticism um or you know music writing being able to to say what something sounds like so i guess if you are so nomadic in what you play that people haven't developed a vocabulary to like properly talk about you or to spur some understanding then you're you're kind of fucked in that respect, you know unless people yeah. just come across you and 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 discover for themselves and just listen
1: yeah so i i think I think that for us you know the the what we found was the recipe that worked was was borrowing some of these elements, you know, playing with things like incorporating you know vibraphone as an instrument or um, some of these, you know, the, the beat styles or the the pacing and the tempo styles, um, the 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 way the bass and the guitar worked, you know, the the styles that they were played in, but then sort of messing with that. Once once we had those those things as our as our construct, sort of seeing how we could mess with those internally. Um, you know, at the time, I was I was really really um, sort of obsessed with Han Bennick, this Dutch drummer jazz guy and, um, it just, you know, just completely overtaken with this guy's music and just would buy as much of his stuff as I could find. And, um, it was just really, really obsessed with him. And so, you know, definitely that played a big role in it. Now, everybody in in the post rock circle, you know, wasn't really aware of him because it was part of a different scene. And so again, it's like at some point you're, you're, you're sort of your influences. Are your influences? I mean, you're you're going to be taking something from somewhere. I mean, it could be from, could be from a flower. It could be from, you know, a movie. It could be from all sorts of things. But you're you're taking stuff from from elsewhere, and it's, I think, how you sort of balance the, the 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 presentation of things that are understood within a community and things that aren't understood yet are highly interesting. You know, I think some of the more theatrical stuff that we brought into it. It was, it was crazy enough, but it also somehow fit within this more comfortable context that people understood.
0: So there was um, no sense with Pele of wanting to, I, I guess, like alienate or um, be like a purely, you know, pure provocation to the point where people just.
1: No, I mean, honestly, if it was in my hands, I probably would have taken it that that direction, but that that's the beauty of a group too is you have different personalities so i i think definitely chris uh his sensibility was more was less confrontational and i mean he liked to play with things too but um you know he he was more interested in 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 he chris loves good melodies and so you know he he likes the real feel-good positive melodies and and so again it was like You've got that voice in the mix with you know somebody you know sort of trashing things um, aka me and then um, you know Matt, who's just this phenomenal bassist, uh, it just it all made sense. it all there were there were the right pieces that fit together to sort of make something that was unique, I guess.
0: So that was my interview with John Mueller um, just to see you out. I'm going to play one more Pele track. This one's called Nude Beach Pinhole Camera from the album The Nudes, uh, released again by Polyvinyl in 2000. Uh, Thanks so much again for listening. Uh, You can like Storm Static Sleep on Facebook and also follow us on Twitter. Just search Storm Static Sleep. Uh, And also head over to stormstaticsleep.com for more information on the book uh, and to buy it as well. Take care. See you soon.